Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. You know something? I'm, this, this, today's message has a short title, but a really meaningful one once you get into it. Knowing and believing. You know, the Greek word for know is not to know something simply informationally. The Greek word for know means to know something with every capacity you have to experience it because it's about an experiential knowing. Now, one of the things that very few people have awareness of is that, and that is that every organ in your body actually um, has an influence on your emotions, what types of emotions that you feel and your capacity to even feel certain emotions. And it also has an, in, every organ has an influence on the way that you think. You know, when I had my clinic, uh, you know, Huntsville, I don't even know how many universities we've got here, probably five, I guess, maybe more. Uh, I think five that I can think of right off the top of my head, plus a bunch of little colleges. And so, man, when these students would start writing uh, their master's thesis or their doctoral dissertation, one of the things that was always interesting was they'd show up in my clinic with digestive problems. Now, the reason for that is stop and think about it. You're, you're, in your digestion, this is your body physically breaking down food and stripping food of the nutrients to make it usable to your body. So it's, it's really about, it, it's about breaking things down and assimilating them. Well, when you're doing research and writing papers, you're taking information, you're, you're breaking it down into understandable parts, you're assimilating it and then, then attempting to express it. And so, so the, or, the organs that affect you, your ability to physiologically digest and assimilate food play a role in how you digest and assimilate information. Now, now, I'm not saying it totally controls it, but I'm just saying that it is a factor. And this has been proven in research and studies all over the world. And so, <clears throat> so the Bible presents this same concept. So if it's in the Bible, then you, you know it's got to be true, whether we understand it yet or not. So, so and, and the Bible, when it talks about knowing God, it's not talking about knowing about God. It's not even limiting knowing God to having a perception of him because, you know, your perception can always be wrong. But when it's talking about knowing God, it's talking about experiencing God. And, and, and the fact that that word has to do with experiencing something with all of your capacities, we know that, that in the Greek, they recognize the same thing that the Hebrews and the Chinese and the Indians and all other, all of your... Uh, all of your other ancient civilizations recognize the role in different organs uh, uh, and how that affected your ability to, to feel and express certain emotions. 
And I'm telling you what, you know what, that brings a whole new level to why God wants us to live at peace. Because man, when we're living at peace, there's not just an emotional effect, but there is a physiological effect. There's a physiological cause and effect when we're living at peace. It affects our, our, our physical health, our, the biological functions of our body. So, you know, in, in 1 John 4, 16, I believe it is, you know, the apostle John says, we have known and believed the love of God. And what he's saying is, you know, think about the scripture that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, I'm all for renewing the mind. I'm all about, de you know, developing our informational content in, in the word of God. But if you just stop at that, that actually becomes destructive. And if you don't combine that knowledge with experience, then you just become, you just become a theoretical Christian, a, theoret a theoretical uh, theologian. And so John was saying, and it's really interesting because he was talking about this in, in context with us being free from fear because of experiencing the perfect love of God. Now, the perfect love of God is not love that you know about. It's not just knowing that God loves you. It's love that has reached its goal and that you have experienced it with every capacity you have to experience it. And so that's sort of like tasting. The Bible says you got to taste and see that God's good. In other words, it doesn't say study and see that God's good. It doesn't, it doesn't say read and see that God's good. It doesn't say hear a sermon and, and know that God's good. It's, it's to taste this for yourself, experience this with your entire being. And see, see, here's the thing. Believing is in a continuum with experiencing. In other words, you won't experience the goodness of God if you don't believe the goodness of God. But when you experience the goodness of God, your level and capacity for believing expands greatly. So when we experience something with God, it changes our level of believing. It brings us to this place to where this is, this is not intellectual believing. This is not a moderate casual believing. This is a believing that no one can talk me out of. This is something nobody can take away from me. This is something I have experienced. This is not an argument. This is not an opinion. It's truth. You know, I see it in the word of God, but it is truth that I have lived and experienced. Therefore, it, you know, you, you can't take it away from me. And, you know, my goal with, with all believers, one of my many goals, is to bring you to the place of knowing. I'm not interested in just tossing more information out there and overloading you with, 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 with information that you have never experienced or don't know how to experience. I want to get you into experiencing. Now, last week, we talked about entrainment. You know, uh, uh, we talked about brain entrainment and how that, that when, a, when a mother particularly when, when breastfeeding and looking in their baby's eyes, that their, that their brains actually entrain. In other words, they sync up together. And the brain waves of the mother can actually, and been, there have been tests on this, brain waves of the mother are actually detected in the brain of the child and even, and even vice versa. So you know, we talked about this principle. And you know, here's the great thing about God. Man, once you figure out how anything really works, 
then you realize it works that way in every arena of life. The microcosm, macrocosm principle. Uh, uh, you know, you don't, God is not the God of confusion. He is consistent. He is congruent. He is orderly. And all, once you understand the true principle of how something works, it will transfer to every other aspect of life. You know, um, uh, when we had a residential Bible school, we had a lot of the people come that they weren't going in the ministry. Our school had a reputation for making people successful at business because they took these principles of ministry and, and administration and realized that they applied whether you were a pastor, whether you were a teacher, whether you was applying this to a, a profession. Uh, that, that, if, if our, our thing was, if it doesn't work everywhere, then it's probably not totally on center with what the Word of God is saying. Now, so the principle behind this says this, transformation occurs most dramatically, actually probably only occurs when we are experiencing the presence of God, where we're having that entrainment. We are in his presence. I mean, that's what happened to Moses. Stop and think. Moses had a revelation of the goodness of God. You know, uh, uh, he said, God, I want to see your glory. And so God says, well, if you want to see my glory, then I've got to show you my goodness because that's the greatest aspect of my glory. Now, you know, most people, they know the greatest aspect of glory would be his brightness, would be his miracle working power, would be his ability to do the impossible, would be, you know, all, all of these things that have to do with strength, you know, manifesting strength. But no, God says that, his man, that what he manifests most powerfully to, to express his glory, his greatness, is in fact his goodness. Man, alive. That opens up, that opens up something we'll probably talk about next week some more. But that, that opens up something that makes you understand. This is why I need to redefine these words that have, that have been incorrectly defined to me and that have incorrectly created this false image of God. Uh, you know, in my book, uh, I talk about, ten, you know, 10 words that change everything you know about God. You know, we talk about the curse and how everything that we've been taught about the curse pretty much is wrong. Or everything we talk about how the curse comes is completely wrong because it's not God bringing the curse. And, and I'll, I'll, we'll break it down. You know, my Hebrew teacher, Chaim Bentorah, uh, uh, he, he will write on this every, he writes a chapter on each one of the 10 words. I write a chapter on each one of the 10 words. And he shows it from, uh, from the Hebrew perspective and I show it from, from the New Covenant uh, perspective and how, how it weaves into what we have in Jesus. And, and, and the wrath of God, man, that, that's another one. How we have defined wrath and how God uses wrath has been totally twisted and corrupted. Uh, so, you know, we're going to be looking at, at, at five words that we tend to, that we tend to interpret, translate, and, and alter our view of God in an extremely negative way. And then we're going to take five positive words, that words that we tend to view in a real positive light, but realize we didn't define them nearly as positive and powerful as they really are. And, and so we've got these definitions of words that guide our theology, but they guide our theology 
inconsistent with who God says he is, inconsistent with what Jesus showed us about God, inconsistent with the cross of Christ. It's like, look, you, you, you know, does God take his own name in vain? I mean, will God say that my name is Jehovah Shalom, but I'm going to torment you? Would God say my name is Jehovah Rophi, the Lord God that heals you, but I'm going to make you sick? Uh, would God say that, you know, that my name, I mean, you just go down the list of all, all the covenant names of God and realize that most modern theology rejects nearly every name of God. And it rejects what Jesus modeled about who God was, and it rejects what Jesus received for us through the inheritance, and it rejects the covenant of peace that God established in the blood of Jesus. Now, I know you've got to be listening to say, man, you're, you're, you're crazy. Well, you know what? I, I challenge you because you, 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 <laughs> you can't even look at what Jesus modeled about God and believe the negative mess that religion spews out from pulpits all over the world every single week. Now, this thing about transformation, see, I want to grow into who I really am. I want, to, I want to be on the outside who I really am. You know, 1 John 3, and we referred to this last week, it says, Behold, in verse 1, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. You know, it just, oh man. You know, golly, 30-something years ago, I made the decision that every single day I would do something that would, that would influence my heart in the love of God. Well, actually, now it's been more like a, about 40 years. And you know something? I've pretty much done that nearly every day for the last 40 years. And I just can't, you, you can't run out of discovering what the Word of God and what life experience will show you about how good God is. Because remember, when we see the glory of God, if what God showed Moses was His glory, when we really finally perceive the glory of God. It's not going to be a light shining, you know, in, in the darkness per se. I mean, that might be there, but that's, that, that's not the ultimate expression of his glory. The ultimate expression of his glory is how good he is. Moses was transformed by the revelation of the goodness of of God. Everything God wants to do in our life, He wants to do through love, through goodness, through kindness. Uh, now, we can, we can choose something else. We can have the pain and the mess and, and, and all of those kinds of things. Uh, but you know what? There are choices. They, they, are, they are not God's choices. As a matter of fact, when you look at the judgment, when you, you know the word judgment at its core has to do just basically with decision. When you look at the great white throne judgment, where people have rejected God, they've rejected their conscience, they've rejected the, the gospel message, where they are standing there saying, they are saying, they made the decision, no, I'm, I'm not going to trust God, I'm not going to trust Jesus, I'm not going to trust my conscience, I want to be judged by my works because I think I'm good enough. Well, you know what? That judgment seat is their decision. They decided that. When you, when, when we believers stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We'll never go. We'll never go into the great white throne judgment. We will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And the only uh, purpose of the judgment seat of Christ is where we receive rewards. And, and all of our works, everything we have done, 
will pass through the fire and all of the things that are unacceptable to God will be burned. And, but you realize what we receive there was our decision. It was our judgment. We made a judgment of good and evil and we decided what we would give our lives to, how we would spend our money, how we would spend our time, how we would spend our energies. And we, we go there to receive what we judged to be the most important thing to us. Now, thank God we're not there getting judged. Our works are just getting judged. So everything unacceptable goes to the fire. So the only thing we stand before Jesus and present is that which is acceptable. But the thing is, we, our judgment for ourselves might have been, you know, I, I decide to live life as a carnal Christian. I decide to live life for myself. Well, you know, that's what a lot of people are going to do. And so, you know, when they get there, you know, uh, one, you know, one guy's going to get a pair of roller skates, another guy's going to get a key. And so, you know, they'll join up together and somebody else, you know, I'm, I'm being facetious. Listen, we do not accept and realize how much everything in our life happens because of our decisions. And almost all of the negative things that we say that God does, in fact, they're not what God is doing. It's, it's, what, it's what we are choosing. You know, I got an interesting uh, uh, message and I, I hope to answer it from somebody. I, I, and so I was so glad really that, that somebody was thinking to even ask this kind of question, but somebody was challenging me on what I taught about the book of Job and how I, how I taught about Job and his friends rambled for all, of these, for all of these chapters. And we quote everything out of those chapters, but we don't quote what God says. And, um, and so the person says, no, 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 you, you have got it all wrong. You know, uh, and, you know, I pointed out that Job had fear. Job had fear and every seed bears after its own kind. That's an eternal universal law. And so fear in Job's life played a role. I'm not saying he was ungodly. I'm not saying he was unrighteous. I'm saying he had fear. Even righteous people create their, their, their own problems. And of course, he was just saying, you know, you got it all wrong. That, you know, that wasn't it. That wasn't the issue. Well, it was the issue because it was God himself that said, are you saying you're more righteous than I am? Are you saying uh, that you will darken my justice uh, in order to make yourself appear to be righteous? I mean, God challenged Job on, self, on his self-justification, on, on basically saying, I am righteous, I am without fault, I haven't done anything here, this, you know, this, this is God doing this. That, that's, that's, that's what God addressed. Jim Richards didn't come up with that. And, but uh, Job 42, 11, the, 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 and again, I'm not criticizing this guy for these questions. I'm, you know, I'm thankful for good questions. He said, well, Job 42, 11 says, says that uh, all these people brought all of these things, uh, to, you know, to give to Job and to bless Job. And so Job was delivered, you know, from all of these things that the Lord caused to happen to him. Well, you know, it's really interesting. In the Hebrew language, there is a form called the Hiphel form. And the Hiffel form, it's really interesting because uh, this would be where you'll see a statement where God says, I will cause this to happen. Or you'll see a statement that says that God brought this on a person. Well, when this is in this Hiffel form, you, you understand that God, the subject of the sentence, is not the direct cause of the action. And so in Job 42, 11, when it says all these things that God brought, you read this in the Hebrew and it is not saying that God himself caused these things to happen. Um, 
Now, in, when Jesus was teaching along these lines, he said it this way. He says, to him who has, more will be given, and to him who has not, even what he has will be taken away from him. Now, see, that sounds like that God is out here giving and taking away from these people. But even the Greek language does not say that. The Greek language implies something more like, uh, more like you know, if it, rains, if, it, if it rains, the water naturally washes away and carries things away. In other words, so it's saying that there's this, there's this cause and effect that is not directly caused by God. But, but in a certain sense, because God made the laws that work, God made the rain, then in a certain sense, yeah, you could say God caused this because he is the one that created the laws. Now, in a, in a physical world such as we live in, you can, there is nothing in the physical world that does not have a polar opposite. And polar opposites actually are complementary opposites in most situations. In other words, there is no such thing as a coin that only has one side. Everything in this physical world has to be at least two-dimensional. So you think about it, think about it like this. God creates a path and he says, now, if you walk this way, I will cause you to inherit all that I have, all the promises, all the kingdom. If you walk that way, I will cause you to inherit the curse. And people say, see, God's cursing. No, in the Hephel form of the word, God is not causing it. God is only the cause to the extent that he created the path and everything has to have a polar opposite in this in this physical world, and really even in this, even in this spiritual dimension uh, when, when we're living in this world. Now, we are the one that decides. We're the ones, we make a judgment about what we will pursue. We make a judgment about good and evil, and, you know, and, and hopefully we surrender our judgments to God. So, okay, God said this was this decision to make. I trust Him. I'm going that way. But you know something? If I don't trust Him, I can go that way. And at the, at the end of the road, going that way, there's a curse. You know what the curse is? The curse is, is being alienated from God. You can either come here where you are in, in communion with God and enjoying all the resources and benefits of God, or you go that way and at the end of that road, God's not there. But you make the choice. Now, what I want to do, I want to walk this way. I want to, I want to I want to come to God and see God as He is. I want to see God for how good He is, but I want to do this in such a way that I, that I experience, that I know with every capacity that I have to know and experience the goodness of God. I mean, I, I want it to affect every aspect of my emotion. I want it to, I want it to affect every aspect of my decision making. I want it to affect the way my brain works. I want it to affect the way I feel. I want it to affect the way I sleep, the way I dream, the way I get up, the way I eat, I want, the way I treat other people. I want it to affect every part of my life. That's what, that's what I want. Now, the amazing thing is, is all of that is inside of us. If we've been born again, the Spirit of God is inside of us. He's brought all that God is inside of us. So transformation is not where you're trying to become something that you are not. Transformation 
is where that which abides within you actually permeates all of your being and, and becomes the way you express yourself externally. So 1 John 3 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, but we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are the children of God and it has not yet been revealed. Now, that word been revealed just basically says it's not manifest. You can't see it. Now, here's the amazing thing. Inwardly, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You can't become any more righteous than Jesus uh, inwardly. But the question is, does that righteousness permeate your being? Is that the way you treat people? Is that the way you think? Is that the way you see yourself? Is that the way you approach life? Now, one of the things that's so powerful about this scripture says, now, we're the sons of God now. And, and this is what he's saying. Look at this incredible love that God has for us. We are the sons of God now. We're not waiting to become the sons of God. We're not waiting to be made the righteousness of God in Christ. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. But he says, but you can't always tell it by looking at us. Man, I'm telling you, I'm, you know, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. But you know what? That doesn't mean I always look like it. Don't mean I always act like it. Doesn't mean I always think like it. But I know that that's, that that's the truth of who I am. So what is the secret then of, of who I really am inward? What is the secret to that permeating every aspect of how I express myself in life? Well, it goes on to say, so, so let me go back and read this. Below, now we are the children of God and it has not yet been revealed or manifest what we shall be. You can't, in other words, you can't see it now. But we know that when he is manifest, that word reveal, again, just goes back to manifest. Now, people take this scripture and push it to an end time event. That is not, that is not at all what's happening in the original language in this scripture or the context. He is revealed. He is manifest to us when we renew our minds, abide in his presence, and begin to experience his goodness, experience him as he is. So it says, but we know that when he is manifest, we will be like him. Why will we be like him? Because we shall see him as he is. In other words, it's not about how hard I strive and strain. You know, the Bible tells us to labor, to enter into the rest. I'm not laboring to become more righteous. I am not laboring to become a better person. I am laboring to believe the truth about who I am, to believe the truth about Christ in me. When I believe that truth, I enter that place of rest, and then that's where effortless transformation takes over in my life. And that happens when I see him as he is, and I'm not seeing him as he is until I see how incredibly good he is. Now listen, we're going we're gonna to talk about this next week. You do not want to miss this next week. We're going to be talking about this, and this is going to demolish everything we've ever been told about sin. It's going to demolish everything we've ever, bad thing we've ever been told about God, and it's going to demolish how hard it is to become who we really are in Jesus. You know, um, uh, Impact Ministries is all about taking the covenant of peace to the world. Faith, righteousness, to the, which is the stumbling stone of the gospel, to the world. And you know, so I want to encourage you to consider becoming a world changer. A world changer financially helps us. And you know, right now, this broadcast is going into every nation of the world. Right now, we are endeavoring 
to, to develop a billion disciples around the world by starting Bible schools in third world nations, which we, which we do continuously uh, through the help of missionaries that we work with who go in and start these Bible schools. You know, check us out at impactministries.com and check out the World Changer page and consider helping us do that. But you know something, if you're really wanting to dive into this whole thing about 10 words that'll change everything you know about God, I promise you the book, the series that comes with it, uh, and what we're doing on here, there is not a whole lot of overlap. I want it to really give you something incredible that would just transform your thinking about how, how good God is. So be sure and check it out. It's on special this month. And let me, let me remind you too, if you're watching this on, on YouTube, or if you're not, you can go to YouTube and, and check this video out and make some comments. Share with people what you're getting out of this, how this is helping your life because man, this, this helps other people. And also be sure and share this with people that you know that it will help. People who are struggling, man, they're trying their best and struggling. And of course you can always subscribe to this channel and like it because this changes how many people see this all over. Listen, be sure and be back with me next week. You are gonna love where we're going next. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.